0: to quote the great legendary Canadian songstress Robin Sparkles, "Let's go to the mall today." Why the mall, you may ask? Because that's where comic book fans, oversexed teenagers, dope smoking superheroes and game show contestants will be. Now that sounds like a good time. It is, because mall rats is not that bad. <laughs> Welcome, welcome one and all to It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A-grades in B-movies. Now, we have said on this show that we have a, a love of Kevin Smith films, so it brings me great pleasure today to defend the one and only Mallrats, and here to raise the sword to defend with me, from the Almost Famous Minute and Feels Like Weezer and Watchmen Minute podcast, Eric Nash is here for the first time. Eric, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Oh, very good, Jason. How are you doing? I am doing very well. Uh, before we get started, and this is your first time here, please let our listeners know what your shows are about.
1: Oh yeah, well, uh, there's a big uh, community of movies by minutes uh, shows um, podcasts, uh, and I've done, I've, I've completed one, and and I'm in the middle of another uh, Watch My Minute and Almost Famous Minute, and it's just looking at uh, going dissecting uh, an entire movie, um, you know, minute by minute for each episode is is one minute, uh, and it's, it's uh, pretty good discussions uh, quite often, I feel like, and uh, it's, it's very uh, detail-oriented, that's for sure, and that's, that's the kind of guy I am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just little by little, nitpicking yeah. everything, that sounds really familiar, and I feel yeah. attacked at this point, but that's okay, but that's okay. <laughs> but, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but before we do get into this, what is it about Rats that made you want to pitch this movie to Defend?
1: Oh, I mean, just just right off the bat, as you mentioned, uh, uh, Kevin Smith. Uh, uh, I've, I've enjoyed almost all of his movies. There's been a couple, uh, you know, kind of less less desirable ones, but um, uh, certainly uh, Clerks and Mallrats, the early ones, and Chasing Amy and Dogma; those are, those are all great. And 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 few and far between people I've, I feel like you'd, you'd find that would uh, say say too much bad about any of them, except for except for Kevin Smith himself, who kind of often uh, poo-poo's on Mallrats. <laughs> I, I think undeservedly, but that's the kind of guy he is.
0: I think that's more the self-deprecating humor on yeah. his point. Oh yeah. But this is now, by the way, the third Kevin Smith film that we have defended on this show. Of yeah. course, we started with Jersey Girl, and we have gone down Yoga Hosers Road. But it brings me great pleasure to be able to once again watch Mallrats. So before we before we get into this, before we dive into the View Askew universe once more, it is time to take Mallrats and trailerize it.
2: Men on a mission in the dangerous world of high stakes consumerism. One man will attempt to win his girl back by sabotaging a game show and fomenting the collapse of a would be media mogul. Another will attempt to rescue his lost love from the dangers of being in the back of a Volkswagen. 2 we'll look to facilitate those goals through blunt force. And by that, I mean blunts and the force. And finally, one desperate soul will continue his journey, his life's quest, to see a sailboat. Along the way, they'll eat cookies, crash change rooms, and meet the man. All of this happens... In one New Jersey day, it's like a New York minute, just on the other side of the tunnel. From the mind of Kevin Smith comes Mall Rat. Rated R for Retail Therapy.
0: (laughs) There's a lot to unpack out of this one here, but let's get into who is in this film. The movie stars Jeremy London, Jason Lee, Shannon Doherty, Claire Forlani, Ben Affleck, Joey Lauren Adams, Renee Humphrey, Michael Rooker, Ethan Suppley, Jason Mewes, and, of course, Kevin Smith. However, there is a huge, almost starring list for this film. So, Eric, I'm just going to toss a few names out here and I'm going to get your reaction on this. Apparently, the studio wanted seth green to audition for the role of jay so yeah. seth green and Meyer both auditioned and apparently seth green was on call ready to jump in if ever need be they of course stuck with jason muse but i cannot picture anyone else being jay because jay is jay
1: oh that's for sure yeah
0: yeah i mean and, and, yeah i mean this this is even
1: though clerks is in a sense it's in a sense the start of the universe, um it's it's really this movie that that cements it, yeah, and, and and keeping Jay, I think, was a vital part of that. I don't. It's 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 crazy to imagine that they that they really would have gone through with a, a recasting. <laughs>
0: I mean, I, I can understand if the studio is worried because of course, you have to think around this time was probably, you know, before Jason Mews was completely clean of all drugs and whatnot. So, and not that we we're ever behind the scenes. We know nothing. I'm just an idiot in a basement with a microphone here in Canada. But I can understand where the studio would want a, a backup plan. But thankfully, Jason Mews is still in this one. For the role of Mr. Svenning, Brandy's father, it was originally thought of to be played by william atherton who of course was in ghostbusters and die hard but he yeah. turned it down because apparently it was like a you know oriented for teens film but the idea of william atherton in that role is actually fascinating
1: yeah that's that's one i didn't know yeah thanks for educating me on this because yeah I, I you know there's there's definitely these things that i'll i'll, I'll be able to i feel like uh, uh pitch in here um with 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 the uh yeah i, I, I certainly knew the, i certainly knew the seth green Thing but uh yeah William Atherton that would Have been a b- pretty crazy but,
0: Well yeah. when you think what do you think about his role as Walter Peck in Ghostbusters and of course Thornburg yeah, and oh Die yeah. Hard, right. like almost the Perfect level of of Authority of, level exactly Yeah and and just enough to be like the, the thorn in everybody's side like William Atherton was so much fun in Those kind of roles and he I think he would have been good in This one but then that's not taken away from Michael Rucker
1: oh no oh my god
0: No because we're, we're talking Yondu here You, you can't diss Yondu yeah. <laughs> In the role of Brody, as, course, played by Jason Lee, you have to listen to this list here. This is a combination of who the studio suggested, who auditioned, and who was considered. And I'm just going to throw these names at one at a time. I'm going to get your reaction on this, Eric, okay? Mike Myers. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah, that that doesn't seem right at all.
0: No. <laughs> I mean, I, I, like, I like him awfully well. <laughs> I mean... But just not yeah. in the role of Brody. No, yeah. Adam Sandler. Oh, my gosh.
1: Uh, that's that's even worse. Yeah, in my mind. Wow,
0: Chris. I mean, I, I, I don't because I don't I don't care for <laughs> Sandler very well. But yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so, so okay. So, so, we're, so we're going so we're all Adam yeah. yeah. Well, that, yeah. that was studio suggestions, all suggestions at that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Also auditioning for, was Steve Zahn. Okay. Hmm. And under consideration was Mark Wahlberg.
1: You're trying to picture yeah. that one now, yeah. right? Yeah. that's. I like the Steve, the Steve Zahn, I feel like, is the best so far. But
0: I mean, yeah, I could I could easily exactly see Steve Zahn. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you saw him in Sahara. Now, we're talking about a role that was horribly miscast. Steve Zahn should not have played that role in Sahara. But I think if you took that kind of performance and put it into Mallrats, it actually does make sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. You know, I I mean, I, I haven't, I don't think I've seen Sahara, but you know, I mean, just, just, just the other stuff I have seen of his, you know, yeah, I mean, he's, 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 right there, he's, he's a good, good uh, second, second guy,
0: you know. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Or, or if you think about his role in that thing, you do another great film. Yeah, yeah, that's Um, kind of what popped in. Yeah, just basically transport that character into this. I think it would have worked. In the role of T S, and again, here's a combination of studio suggestions and people who were in the running or considered. Ethan Hawk, Henry Thomas. Yeah, Henry Thomas. That's I'm liking Ethan so far. (laughs) And Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, wow. I I can't I can't picture that one.
1: (laughs) I mean I mean it's it's I feel like it's a stretch right off the bat for like Ethan or Leo to to have been working with Kevin Smith, but (laughs)
0: Well, I mean, keep in mind I mean, how but, long ago yeah. this was, but yeah.
1: I mean, but but, but, but we got the, we got it with uh, Ben and Matt, so <laughs> with with their uh, uh, working with them at various points. I mean, m- mostly Ben, but you know,
0: yeah. Apparently, also uh, Brian O'Halloran auditioned for, T- for the role of TS before he got cast as Gil Hicks. Now, in the role of Renee, the role was actually promised to Joey Lauren Adams before she was cast as Gwen. But instead of Jory Lauren Adams as Gwen, we almost had Parker Posey who auditioned for that role, and I actually really like that one.
1: That would be interesting, yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, and and the moving around of uh, people as as to their roles, you know, having one role but then kind of going to another. That certainly happened. Um, with I'll, I'll let you know about for, for my, my other ongoing podcast, Almost Famous Minute. That um, you know, uh, uh um. <laughs> uh, new girl, <laughs> lady, um, uh, that that uh, sh- she was actually going to be Penny Lane for a bit, or, or or actually maybe it was vice versa. Kate Hudson or Penny Lane or or, or, or um, oh I don't know why I'm blinking on the new girl name. Um,
0: <laughs> oh, you're thinking um, Zoe Deschanel?
1: Yeah, Deschanel, Deschanel. Um, that uh, you know they kind of had switched roles in a sense. You know, one one of them, one or the other, had each other the other's role for for a moment, (laughs) and then and then they kind of rejiggered it and got them into the proper roles. I I certainly believe
0: that's kind of like the idea of Tom Hiddleston uh, originally auditioning for the role of Thor and then getting Loki. So, yep. Now we know, of course, that Renee was played by Shannon Dougherty. but also in auditions was Alyssa Milano. And I'm a little surprised that Alyssa Milano has not yet actually been in a Kevin Smith film because I have a feeling that she would have worked in this role as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like I like how that works, yeah. Hm.
0: Now, in the role of Trisha, as played by Renee Humphrey, apparently auditioning for the role was Jennifer Love Hewitt. And I feel at this point, we've basically taken everything from like 90210, Party of Five, and Charmed and thrown it all at Mallrats here. I don't know about Jennifer Love Hewitt in that role, though.
1: Yeah, and that's that's certainly got the tie-in with Ben there as well. <laughs> that would have been interesting, but wow.
0: <laughs> but also auditioning for both the role of Brandy and Renee were Kari Wer and Jenny McCarthy.
1: Yeah, Jen, Jenny McCarthy. I mean, uh, yeah, she was she was hopping. I think at this point, you know, that's for sure. But uh, wow.
0: <laughs> now, in the role of Brandy, of course, played by Claire Forlani. Lala slopeman who people will probably remember from Dream a Little Dream and Pump Up the Volume was considered, but I, I I can't I can't picture that one cannot picture it at all. Now, also, according to IMDB auditioning for roles in the film, but of course, it, it didn't say who they were auditioning for were Shawnee Smith, Heather Graham and Reese Witherspoon. And, like, when you take a look at all the people who were either under consideration, suggested, or auditioned, like, this is—that's that, that that's a who's who of Hollywood then and now. Yeah, I feel like any of those
1: could have worked pretty well. Yeah, that would have been very interesting.
0: Mm. And when you consider that, you know, release-wise, this, of course, is the follow-up to Clerks— that's got to say a lot about Clerks and, and how people reacted to that film for people to want to jump in on this. So, kudos to Kevin Smith, who, of course, wrote and directed this. That being said, this film was given a dishonorable mention of the 1995 Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. It wasn't even in the top five, however, and, of course, no one, no one was taking that Worst Movie Award for that year over Showgirls. However. Oh, okay. However, when it was released on the October 20th, 1995 weekend, and all of a sudden I feel old just saying that, this movie debuted at number 13. <laughs> 13. Now, the top film that week was the debut of Get Shorty, uh, which came in at $12.7 Mall Mallrats debuted with about $1.1 million. Now, it should be noted that it only debuted in 852 theaters, half the number of theaters that Get Shorty debuted in. So slight asterisk, but not enough, I think, to get it up to that level. That being said, at number two was the debut of Now and Then, Number five was the debut of Never Talk to Strangers. So it was the lowest grossing debut film that weekend. And of course, that helped, that hurt the take on this one. The movie was made with a budget of $8 million and worldwide only made $2.1 million. And the reason why we're here, aside from the fact that you have pitched this film to talk about this, yeah. is the critics. Over at Metacritic, this film has a Metascore of 41. And over at Rotten Tomatoes, the audience score is 82%, yeah. which I kind of agree with. The Tomatometer, 58%. So, it's one of the more borderline films that we've talked about. But, of course, I don't think Kevin Smith is for the critics at all. Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, certainly, certainly I, I feel like there, there's a certain sense in Clerks that, that that you know they liked there. There's there's something to it. that's this raw. But for a second outing, yeah, it's it's. it's I, I feel like they had something much more, you know, respectable in mind <laughs> that 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 he would do. Not not something very comic booky and you know, almost more uh, juvenile <laughs> in a way <laughs> than Clerks was.
0: Well, I mean, I remember too, like watching the the first An evening with Kevin Smith, and he was talking about how you know. You, you know what he had to do, and you know, with all the the credit cards and whatnot, in order to be able to make clerks, yeah. and then oh, yeah. like here's the studio saying, "Here's eight million dollars, go make rats. It's like what? Like I, I I get that, but that being said, there is an extended cut of this film, yeah, which is vastly different from the theatrical oh, yeah. cut to the point of there are apparently. 100 differences between the original theatrical release and the extended version including an entirely different opening that is that, that, that's something to watch.'ll I'll, I'll put it that way here. I'm gonna yeah, ask you, I don't
1: ask I don't think I've seen it in full but um, uh, for the for the for the style of podcasts I, I mainly do um, the moves by minutes, um, the Jay and Silent bot minute that I guessed it on that that is what they covered was the extended cut version. Um, for how, all hower much more than a normal 90 you know 100 minutes worth that that uh kevin's um uh, you know no, theatrical cuts normally are um but uh yeah they they and they kind of regretted i feel like <laughs> having done that you know but but they wanted i think they wanted to be uh, the a couple guys that did that uh, that movie by minute um uh, of of rats. um they yeah, they 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 chose to do that, and I I understand, but uh, yeah, it's I, I feel like they would have uh, they would have uh, kept their sanity a little bit better.
0: Well, when you realize that you know in a movie's by minute format, you're on episode thirty before you get to the mall in right, that extended yeah. cut. Yep, like that that's insane. Like it's called Mall Rats. Get to the mall. <laughs> All right, let's get to the breakdown of this film. We're going to start with T.S. Quint as played by Jeremy London. So Eric, how was Quint for you in this.
1: I mean, I actually, I actually kind of, you know, enjoy the character. Um, it's, it's not the greatest of all everyone that's here, that's for sure. I'm not gonna put him. He's not gonna be my VIP or, or MVP or what have you. I think you do that you do in the show uh, later on. But um, but you know, I he he's pretty serviceable. I mean, the acting isn't top notch, but you know, the character itself, you know, he he does he, he's fulfilling the right role. He's got a he's got a attitude about him that uh, works for being uh, 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 you know uh, for, for, for the plot and the dialogue written.
0: I I, th- I think you nailed Thank it you. right there. It's the dialogue. Thank you. Yeah. Like with a Kevin Smith film, the characters speak in a very specific way, and the the actors that work with Kevin Smith on a regular basis they they get where he's coming from with the dialogue and they embody. That dialogue, but I think in this case, Jeremy London didn't fit the dialogue, and it's a shame because, of course, like you know, the majority of the film revolves around, of course, Quint and Brody. Um, but I think for for Jeremy London, it reminded me a little bit of, and I can't, I cannot remember the actor's name for the life of me. So when I explain who I'm talking about, you're gonna know immediately. Dazed and confused. Yeah. There's there's the kid with the long hair who keeps on touching his nose about 15 times yeah. in the film. <laughs> kind of reminds me of that performance a little bit.
1: Yeah, a little bit, yeah. I get that.
0: It's almost like in that that uncomfortable in the shoes that you're wearing kind of performance. I I think I think had you know the words maybe have been tailored a little bit or how do how do you had a chance to you know play around with the role a touch. I think it could it could have worked. And I do think that the balance between him and Jason Lee worked as well, but it it it, it felt like he was almost struggling in the role.
1: Yeah, I certainly can get that, and uh, you know, uh, but I, I
0: still feel that you know, there's just there's
1: just a little bit of an everyman to him. You know, he's not he's not too uh, crazy acting. He's he's he, he does. I, I I do feel like it it centers the movie a bit fairly well. So I'm, I'm not totally down on them, but I'm not totally great with them either. You know,
0: I think the the one thing that did get right, though, you know, is, is that if you're going to have an actress like Claire Forlani in the role of Brandy, you need someone with the presence of a Jeremy London, I think, for the idea of Quint and Brandy as a couple to work. And I think in that case, they cast that couple very well.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, yeah, and, and certainly that's that's uh, something I've heard most most associated with uh, uh, Lucas and and the casting of Star Wars that he really went for the 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 chemistry between the various uh, actors and and uh, he found it with Mark and Carrie and Harrison.
0: Oh, absolutely! And even when you think about you know the the pairing of Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson, that worked very well together maybe not so much Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen at the time, but you know, Hayden Christensen's back. We're, we're good with Hayden Christensen. Once again, it's all good, but let's move on to Brody, of course, played by Kevin Smith, favorite Jason Lee. How was he in this role for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where we're getting kind of, I feel like the top notch, you know, it's, it's, it's cementing, you know, Jason Lee as, as a, as a Kevin Smith guy, you know, that he'll come back to after this again and again. Um, yeah, he's he's got this he's got this uh bravado attitude that uh you know he, he really uh you know has has some good uh, almost monologues. And, and that's, that's, that's going a little bit to my, to my, uh, almost famous minute where, where he's, uh, the lead singer of the band of the fake band uh, in it. And, and, uh, he definitely gets some monologues there too. that Cameron Crowe uh, really does well for him, but, uh, you know, it's not, it's not just the monologues, but it's, but it's just, just the back and forth attitude. You know, he does, he does it so well, even, even when he's with someone like Jeremy London. Doing a lot of the dialogue.
0: You have to think that, you know, in writing this character, this was maybe like Kevin Smith's alter ego of, if the, the alter ego was cool. And I'm not saying Kevin Smith isn't cool. I'm just saying that, you know, if, if you're ever going to envision what cool would be, Brody kind of fits that mold uh, that, that mold of what do you think Kevin Smith would think cool is. Uh, knows all his comics, uh, smart, quippy, witty, um, you know, just a ton of fun. Just an absolute ton of fun. And I think, you know, when you you think about the trajectory, Jason Lee really did kind of take off from this. You know, of course, following this was uh, My Name is Earl, as well as uh, a bunch of other Kevin Smith films. Like, Jason Lee got it. He really got what this film was about. Oh, yeah, definitely. It also kind of fit in with that whole 90s era philosopher, right? The cool guy who has all these great poetic thoughts on how life should be and you know i remember when we did the the episode on dog park and we kind of got into that 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 thought process of the 90s philosopher role brody is definitely the 90s philosopher in this
1: yeah yeah that's that's a great way to put it um even yeah even more so what i was <laughs> than I, what i was uh, trying to indicate with the monologues and so forth but yeah the, yeah that that attitude of you know of that he that he's pontificating you know the various ideas and 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 way things should be and so forth.
0: It was yeah. almost like every 90s philosopher had a metaphor for everything that made sense. And when you think about movies like you know, Reality Bites and Empire Records and Singles, like there, there was a a complete string of you know aimed at the late teens, mid 20s era, you know 90s film goer and. How many people will sit there and quote movies of that era with their own idea of life philosophy? I, I think there was a lot of introspection in the writing in that era. Moving on, Claire Forlani, who played Brandy. Now, keep in mind, this is only her third movie role. Uh, her first, her first film, Gypsy Eyes, has a zero percent audience score. Her second film, Police Academy: Mission to Moscow, has a zero percent Tomatometer. So Jeez. we're moving up in the world with this one. Yeah, but how was she for you?
1: Um, and yeah, and for her, I feel like that, that's even even more uh, uh, right on. Uh, you know, it's it's. I don't know. It's it's just it's just there's again it's just, it's just it's, this, this correct very good attitude coming from her that uh, you know she's she's not gonna take you know if I if I can curse just a little bit the uh, sh- you can whip it, it out I suppose if you I forget if you do that or not but um, yeah she doesn't take it and she, you know she'll give it back even too.
0: I mean, she plays Brandy as smart and caring. Um, just not in the way that Quentin would like as far as the caring side goes. But the thing is, Claire Forlani is a phenomenal actress. Um, All you have to do is go watch the movie Antitrust to to go see that, which, again, another one of those movies that will qualify and we will talk about eventually. It's actually on our coming soon page on notthatbadcast.com. We will one day get to that film and tackle that one here. But I think... In the same way that Jeremy London, I don't think was feeling the dialogue in this. There were times when Brandy wasn't feeling the dialogue, but I will say, in when you take a look at the two different openings, the theatrical cut where TS just shows up to pick her up for their trip to Florida, uh, and she's talking about the the girl who had the you know the, the embolism at you know, when when TS mentioned that the the cameras put on ten pounds uh, as opposed to the almost very slapsticky, you know, musket on a rooftop um, opening in the extended cut. I think she actually did better in the extended cut opening than she did in the theatrical cut opening.
3: Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons...
0: Moving on, we now get to the role of Renee as played by Shannon Doherty. Um when you think about Shannon Doherty, this is to me, you know, aside from 90210 and aside from Charmed, to me this is the role that I think of when I think of Shannon Doherty. So, how was she in this for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, and Shannon uh she does great, I think. Um you know, and I don't. I don't even really. I. I. I, I like barely ever watched an, either of those shows, um. And yeah, she's it's definitely this that I know her from. Um, and she's she's, you know, doing doing some good work I, I, here. I think too. It's nothing nothing uh to be down about as far as I I can tell.
0: I think the fun thing too with this role is that it's almost like meta comedy for her. It's it's probably mm. one of the things where, oh, okay. as soon as they realize that they had Shannon Doherty for the role, it's like okay, we're gonna change the script a little bit and we're gonna actually have a little bit of fun with her popularity on nine zero two one zero. Of course, they make the Brenda joke in in the in the movie, but I love the fact that she actually had fun with it. I th- I think that that's almost endearing, uh, you know, in her performance in this. Let's get back to the Svenning family here. And Michael Rooker, who played, of course, Brandy's father. Um, we talked about William Atherton and, you know, the idea of putting him into this role. But let's get to the person who did have it, Michael Rooker. How was he for you?
1: Uh, yeah, so, yeah, you know that that definitely would have been one way to go, William Atherton. I mean, it would make a lot of sense. But then Michael Rooker, you got a whole different kind of attitude for him, I feel like, you know, that he brought to it. That, uh, you know, he, he's he's a little more grizzled i feel like it's probably a good word um and, and he and he's and he's a little more um you know on the mean side not just to be mean but to, i don't know to really get a job done <laughs> it seems like he's he's just really really just trying to you know do his work and 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 care for his family you know i feel like that's there
0: I think the nice thing, too, is that he plays the foil well. And the fact that he is, he does all this in order to try to stop Brandy from going to Florida with TS. Uh, He probably had an inclination, you know, when the, the talk of them going to Florida was happening. He probably had an inclination that he might try to propose or something like that. So it makes sense that he tried to pull something like this off. And I think in that sense, you know, the idea of... You know, asking asking Brandy to help with the show, you know, it's a, it's a little meddling, and I think that that kind of fits. I feel like we've been picking on Michael Rooker a, a little bit on this show lately, because of course we did recently talk about him in Days of Thunder, but you know, enjoying him in that role, he does play gruff very well. And I think the thing is, whereas William Atherton probably would have brought the snark, I think, or at least the 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 smarmy media mogul idea. I think the idea of Michael Rooker as a much more intimidating father figure worked better in this case.
1: Yeah, yeah, I definitely see that. Yeah, it's it's, um, yeah, and and Michael Rooker. I mean, you know, I mean, the thing I probably know him best. I, I always kind of would point out to people that hey, he's he's like the one of the the second third hand guy uh, in in the office for uh, JFK. You know, that's one of the earlier earlier things he did. I feel like. Um, you mentioned Days of Thunder. And apparently, yeah, that's right about the same time even too. But um, but yeah, It's doing great.
0: See, I make it a rule of thumb never to mess with anyone who is in the Belko experiment, which if you've seen okay. that film, um, A, phenomenal film. Uh, but B, don't mess with anyone in the Belko experiment. Uh, ben Affleck, Batman himself <laughs> as Shannon Hamilton, um, kind of a smarmy guy in this one here but i think he kind of works did it work for you
1: oh yeah i mean so yeah so this is you know coming off of uh you know the uh, days and confused that you mentioned before for other reasons but um yeah i mean you know it, it made a lot of sense that that uh kevin smith would get with get with you know, get, get with him and and cast him as, as in this role and it's not not leading role you know he's not leading yet um but you know he's he's playing a, a kind of the you know, one of the two bad guys, main bad guys, you know, the kind of, you know, the, the, it works well that there's, there's e- each of the guys, the the, the father and the, uh, the uh, uh, fashionable uh, male <laughs> employee.
0: <laughs> and that's the thing. I think, you know, for TS, it made sense to have Michael Rooker as the nemesis, the very imposing father figure. For here, Shannon is... The complete antithesis to Brody, right? Brody is the comic book loving, Sega NHL playing, go Hartford whale. Um, you know, like uh, he's that guy, right? And Shannon Hamilton is the complete opposite of that. You know, he's the jock, the prep, the frat boy, right? He's the he's he's the guy in the designer clothes and the slicked back hair, and you know, it's all about perception. Whereas Brody is like, come as you are. Hang and have a good time, so I think the balance works well, and I I think Affleck really kind of leaned into this one here, It like really took on that 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 frat boy vibe.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a good good way to put that. Yeah, he's he's he is very kind of uh, slick, but also, you know, like I said, he's 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 kind of he's playing with the bad one of the bad guys here.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, Affleck Affleck plays him in a way that you're not supposed to like Shannon. You're not. And th- you don't, you, you absolutely don't. So, you know, mission accomplished. You know, we, we've said on this show a number of times, you know, if you're not supposed to like the actor or at least the character and you end up sitting there, you know, really disliking the actor because of the character,
1: Yeah,
0: the, the actor did a phenomenal job. Affleck, hmm really nailed the the unlikableness of shannon hamilton but let's get to the supporting cast here we have joey lauren adams who of course played gwen another kevin smith favorite. and of course you know the next one being chasing amy which of course had affleck and jason lee and joey lauren adams like th- th- this obviously set that up But but joey lauren it's a smaller role but how was gwen for you yeah so
1: Joey as Gwen is, is doing a pretty good job. Uh, you know, I, I like, I definitely like her better. I, I feel like in chasing Amy, that character it, it works, it's much more suited to her, but, but, um, here, yeah, I mean, she's, she's being used pretty well, you know, for, for a, a good bit of, uh, some good, uh, comedic bits and so forth. But, um, yeah, it's, and, 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 and you know, the thing here is, is that, you know, they, they apparently, You know, kind of during after you know around the time of this movie is is when uh, the two of uh, Kevin Smith and Joey uh, started dating. You know, and uh, you know had a short relationship supposedly, but then still went on to make Chasing Amy together. You know, so uh, seemingly uh, very amicably ended relationship, but um, you know, yeah, you know, her her role is great. Yeah,
0: I think the key thing about Gwen is that not only does she humanize Brandy with their friendship, but I think she also humanizes T.S. a little bit because, of course, T.S. and and Gwen used to go out together until it broke up. And, of course, Gwen is using that connection while talking to Brandy to point out how good T.S. and Brandy work. Like, Gwen is almost the anchor point for these two in showing why they work well together.
1: Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
0: Gwen has a purpose. The purpose is to make sure that the couple gets back together. Renee Humphrey as Trisha or Trish the Dish. Um, a tad uncertain at times in the role again for me, but I think she she was well cast for this.
1: Uh, yeah. And that's, you know, and it's I, I feel like this is probably one of the uh, tougher roles for anyone, uh, you know, playing the. Uh, this this character this this young young character a the group i feel like um if i'm right uh, the the 15 year old but but doing this uh experiment uh uh you know uh journaling so forth uh to be published you know uh on on uh sex for you know that's that's happening amongst you know teenagers and early 20 somethings or all I guess all the way up to the 30 30 ish age I believe even too
0: her her coding system is is straight up uh, uh, laughable and fun i there are times where I think the extended cut actually benefited the character of Trish. Um, of course, the, there's this one moment when uh, Trish drops off the VHS tape to, to Jay in order to be able to sabotage Shannon. But at that point, LaForce is is looking at the rope that Silent Bob is hanging from and she goes and intercepts LaForce in the in only the way Trish can. Um, but I, I think it's one of those things where this is one of the characters that benefited from the longer, more the side characters got more room to play with uh so if you haven't seen the extended edition mall rats uh and you like the role of trish go watch that because there's more of her and i think it benefits the character more but i still think even in the theatrical cut the, the role works well i i again i i can see why jennifer love hewitt would have auditioned for the role especially when you realize that jennifer love hewitt would eventually go on to be in the client list uh, so it's kind of foreshadowing Let's move on to Ethan Suppley, who, of course, played William, the man who couldn't see the sailboat. Uh, fun little side character here, but how was it for you?
1: Um, yeah, so he really comes in and uh, I, th- I think does a good job for, um, I, I forget if he really kind of continues on from here in this role, or, or the, the role kind of continues on uh, by anyone even, but it's, it is a continuation of, of uh, the character uh, in Clerks the, uh, uh, snowball, uh, character, um, who was played by the, the Kevin Smith friend and producer Scott Mosher. Um, so, but, but what, uh, Ethan Ethan's is doing here is, I, I feel like really good, uh, you know, comedic, uh, work and, and, you know, he goes on to do other, other great stuff and, and one with, with, uh, Jason Lee as, as a very good sidekick in that, uh, 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 uh my name is Earl show.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, he also did play William uh, again in Clerks yeah. 3. So oh, wait, there so- is that. But, of course, he's also the voice of the Golgothan in Dogma. Yeah. And he yeah. appears <laughs> as a teen in Clerks 2. So you know, his time working in the Viewers universe was definitely not over with this film. And the fact that the character does come back, that that's awesome. Um, but it, it's one of those little things where... Kevin Smith has the ability to create this wonderful cast of side characters and they don't necessarily always play directly into the main plot, but they make like a nice little, for lack of a better term, side quest, you know, just just a, a little breather for comedic relief um, and to just so you're not constantly pushing the plot forward. Every now and then, you have to have a a moment where just you can just kind of stop and enjoy the moment for a second. Here, Ethan Suppley, I think, is that in this. He's that nice little pit stop on the road to the end of the plot, um, and it's it's so so memeable. Like when you think about Mallrats, I think I think this character is the most memeable of many of Kevin Smith's characters.
1: Yeah, definitely, you know, him him standing there looking at the Magic Eye poster and and having problems with it and and other characters coming in and giving him a hard time and all that kind of stuff is, is yeah, pretty awesome.
0: I, I still love the, the fact that, you know, at the end when they're doing one of those, you know, what 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 did the characters do after this film? And, you know, they they get finally get to him and it's like, you know, William finally saw the sailboat. He just looks at the camera and goes yeah I like oh, I loved it. It was brilliant. Priscilla Barnes, who was Miss Savannah, the fortune teller in the dirt mall. um, how much did you chuckle at this scene?
1: Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of the, these one like like again, it's kind of another it's it's this this is almost more of a side quest, you know it it involves the main characters uh, uh, needing to go do uh, uh, a little uh, thing on the side uh, try to figure out some stuff um and you know going to a uh, a a topless uh, uh uh fortune teller you know it, it it's just you know silly beyond belief i mean i don't know if those things actually are is a real thing out there anywhere i mean maybe after this but i don't know if kevin smith just came up with it on his own but um and then, then you know getting this this actress i think uh, really worked out well that she does a really good job as you know uh, you know in in, in, you know, dealing with these uh, two knuckleheads,
0: I'm I'm, I'm going to put this out there as a yeah. uh, probably thinking way too deeply about a character with a third nipple, yeah. but but he, bear with me on this one here. When you take a look at the hero's journey, like the 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 yeah. model for most storytelling when it comes to popular fiction, you know, by the time TS and Brody get to the dirt mall, the flea market. Um, they've hit the abyss. They've hit that point where you've you absolutely hit rock bottom. You're out of the mall, you're somewhere else, and you're talking to a topless fortune teller for some kind of redirection here. The next step in the hero's journey is transformation. And Miss Savannah is the perfect transformation point in this. And I can't believe I'm comparing, you know, um, I'm, I'm putting the mall rats into the hero's journey, but yet here we are. When when you take a look at the at the way the hero's journey and you know is supposed to go, Miss Savannah is almost necessary in this.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. You kind of yeah yeah changed my mind there on that. Yeah, me me kind of uh, downgrading it to side quest. But yeah, um, yeah, you're yeah you're right. That does make a lot of sense. And uh, she does a really good job. I feel like yeah.
0: We cannot talk about this film without talking about the man himself stan lee in one of his best cameos of all time no now no this does not put this into the mcu as much as you want to put mall rats into the mcu because stan lee is there uh but his performance in this i I freaking loved it but how how was it for you
1: yeah i mean you know and i i I even almost find it hard to call it a cameo. I mean, I know it it, it it is it is a it was probably I'm sure it was just a day's work or whatever. You know, they said, you know, what whatever you do here is going to be great, you know, we're going to love it. But um it's it it uh you know, he he he's playing himself and and in so many of those other Marvel Marvel cameos and and you know, even though they've kind of said, "Oh, maybe he is kind of playing the same character throughout them all." Um uh you know, it, in those, I mean, quite often, is are, are all these kind of various uh, 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 jobs that he's doing in those roles. Um, but this, I mean, he's playing himself, yeah. So that makes it kind of feel a little bit like a cameo, but uh, it's it's something that's it's, it's very important to the plot. To to again, just doing something very similar to what the uh, fortune teller was doing.
0: I don't know. I I I, I do think Stanley is is one of the watchers. You know that that's how he's yeah, able right, to witness yeah, everything. Yeah, but was, also. If you go back and watch Captain Marvel and Stanley's yeah. cameo in that, he's holding the copy of the script oh, yeah. of Mallrats. So maybe Mallrats is MCU. Maybe it's canon. I, I I do want to believe that, but the thing is, Stanley's you know his his moment in this, his story moment in this, it's almost as powerful. I think actually, I would say it's more powerful than. In Chasing Amy, when Silent Bob goes on his absolutely long rant story kind of thing. And there's those moments where you, you meet that character and that's the turning point. Whereas Miss Savannah was TS's turning point. This was Brody's turning point as well. This was his transformation period. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian O'Halloran as Gil Hicks. Now, apparently Gil is a cousin of Dante. So yes, we use universe. It works. Um, but how, how much fun was it to have Brian O'Halloran in this knowing the, 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 impact and how well he did in clerks?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's not, yeah, certainly not as big a role as that lead. And that was, um, but um, you know, it, it was fun at the time. I feel like when I initially saw this back when I was in college in the late nineties, um, and you know seeing that okay that was him that was the same oh it's the same guy but he's he's playing a different different character um but um you know later on i mean you know it's it's relegated to almost the same kind of role as the other um friends of kevin smith's that are are are, 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 especially earlier on were so often in uh, his movies his, his 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 local friends from new jersey um the um uh, I, I listened I listen to their podcast, the Walt Flanagan and, and Brian Johnson and, and, and a few other people, too, of course, but um, Tom Steve Dave, which got its name from this this uh, appearance that they have in here. But um, but, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, it's, it seems like he's relegating Brian to that that similar kind of level of, OK, we're going to have him back and uh, and he'll do this uh, this uh, less important character.
0: And I think that's one thing that Kevin Smith does very, very well with all of his films is that bringing back some of those familiar actors as a as a as a wonderful anchor point for for fans of the viewers universe. Like even in, you know, uh, Jersey Girl, which wasn't the, the, the most well received of his films, which I still I still think it's a gem. And that's mainly because of George Carlin. But, you know, you have those moments and those actors pop up. And it's like, oh, no, it's still a Kevin Smith film. And that's good. And, you know, whether you like his films or not, Adam Sandler is very good at that as well. Casting his friends, bringing back the the same familiar people so that even if you're not enjoying the Adam Sandler film, happens, um, you enjoy when the regular cast of characters come back. And I think it's that... And and Tarantino again also does the same oh, thing, yeah. right? Like it's it's very much this work with your friends mentality and it's almost comforting, I think, to the to the viewer.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and like I say, you know, while, while I feel like he's moved on a bit, you know, like you mentioned Jersey girl, sure. Um, there's some there, but that, that is what now a kind of old movie. Um, but, um, in some of his more recent stuff where he's gone, the, done the red state and Tusk and yoga hosers. Um, you know, he's, 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 again, he's, he's kind of gotten another, you know, at least there's definitely the one big one that I, I note from those is, uh, Ralph Garman. Um, who is his one of his one of his of, of his many podcasts that he used to do, kind of, I feel like, at this point. Um, uh, co-host there, the Hollywood Babylon co-host.
0: Oh yeah. And that's the thing. Like when you have the ability to work with your friends and just have that much fun filmmaking, it needs to be applauded. Now, I can't believe we are at this point in the podcast, and we're only now getting around to talking about Jay and Silent Bob in this. But I think this is the film. Like, yes, they were in Clerks, but I think this is the film that cemented Jay and Silent Bob as the characters that they were going to be. And how was, you know, compared the two, Jay and Silent Bob in this and then Jay and Silent Bob in Clerks, which one worked better for you?
1: Um, I, f- I feel like, yeah, their roles. In, in, in the first one was better from a purely comedic point of view, from purely, you know, oh we got these couple uh kind of almost losers in a sense maybe you know I, f- I feel like a lot of people would would uh describe them um you know hanging around and just just being knuckleheads but um in this one it, it, they they do bump it up a, a, a good notch and and that continues forward where where they play an even more and more important role in the outcome the plots of the movies um but but you know it's, it's, there's always there's always the the, the issue with silent Bob, not really being that silent uh, at some point. And, and, you know, in in clerks, he, he definitely uh, gives a, uh, a, a nice little, uh, monologue, but you know, in this one, he, he's, he's doing so much more throughout. I feel like, you know, then, like I said, more int- integral to the plot, but you know, you know, there, there's like half, half of them when, when, when they are in Kevin Smith movies, because they're not always in his movies, um, all of his movies. Um, But, uh, you know, uh, Silent Bob, you know, half the time, roughly, he speaks and says something really important. The other half, it's just something kind of non sequitur, you know, just off the cuff and and seemingly off the cuff and uh, so so much more for comedic effect.
0: I just keep picturing this moment in Jane Silent Bob strike back and, you know, the sign on the back of the car says Critters of Hollywood. (laughs) Like, again, every now and then. You need that character to snap. But I mean, you think about it, right? I mean, Penn and Teller have done that shtick their entire career together, oh, yeah. right? And, you know, here, it again, it works very, very well. I often think of Jay and Silent Bob, and I can't believe I'm comparing Kevin Smith to Shakespeare, but here we go. Jay and Silent Bob are the modern day Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. And I think you need those kind of characters in films that have a, uh, a, decently large cast and a lot going on you need those characters for levity companionship and almost a grounding for everything else that goes on around them
1: yeah yeah and it's also related right back to again star wars it's it's a 3po and r2d2 <laughs> you know <laughs> they're they're the, they're kind of they're kind of the background ish but through line of the whole thing <laughs>
0: C C3, three C three P O and R two D two Statler and Waldorf like the the, the, the idea <laughs> yep. of the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern esque characters in properties uh, is is a mile long but I think Jane and Silent Bob fit into that characterization yep. very well. There you go, everyone. I have compared Kevin Smith to Shakespeare successfully. I think here, let's take a look though at Kevin Smith's filmography for a second here. Obviously Mall Rats, because we're talking about it on this show, the critics kind of you know poo-pooed on it kind of thing, but critics are whatever. But when it comes to the Viewer's universe itself, how does Mall Rats rank for you?
1: Um, it's fairly high, um, but you know I you know because essentially the Jay and Silent Bob movies themselves those are on the lower end for me. I haven't rewatched them too much. Um, and, and even, even clerks too. And I still have, I actually, I'm, I'm not as big of a fan. I have not watched, uh, uh, the clerks three yet. Um, it came out what last, last year now, well, at least about, at least about a year ago or more. Um, hmm. and, uh, you know, it's, 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 you know, I, I feel like there's, there's a big, really big tie for number one for me between clerks and dogma, but, uh, but it comes in there respectively, respectively I think, you know, uh, middle to high.
0: I mean, I still hold Jay and Silent Bob Strike back in very high regard. Okay. But, then, but that, that again, that's just me. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, not so much. I completely agree. Clerks 2, I liked it. I, re- I liked it a lot. I'm going to Mall Rats, though, to me, it's definitely probably about three or four. Because there's a lot of fun in this. Uh, Clerks 3, while I completely appreciate what that movie is, um, it can be a little hard to watch. Um, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Just just go and watch it if you like Kevin Smith films. Um, But it can can be a little hard to watch. Uh, But I, I think this is the film that established not just the idea of the 90s philosopher as well, but... I think it established the ability for Kevin Smith to to write visual comedy as well as dialogue driven comedy, and and there's a difference, right? Jalen Silent Bob Strike Back is more the physical, um, not necessarily Keystone Cops, but definitely the the more slapsticky type humor. Um, you know, Clerks being the very dialogue, cerebrally driven humor mall rats i think is the perfect middle ground of those two types of comedy
1: yeah i, def- I definitely get that yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah that's yeah and I, yeah and you know you know yeah four, four five ish for me
0: <laughs> it's not tusk and that's the main thing here yeah yeah <laughs> all right so it has come time so eric who is your mvp of 1995 oh i'm getting old just saying that mall rats um. Yeah, I
1: I feel like you probably can guess guess, but uh, um. Yeah, Jason Lee. I, I really I really believe so. Um. You know, it's it's just starting that trend for him that uh, of what he goes on to be even even better. But you know, it's it's a good, great first, really great, really great first start. You know, um, right off the bat, um, uh, take on this, on this irascible kind of you know. Like you said, philosopher is a great, that's a great word. I feel, I feel like, yeah, he's, there's something, there's a quality about his, his, you know, acting, you know, and, and coming so, you know, new on the scene from, from skateboarding previously, <laughs> you know, that, uh, you know, he, he, does, he does so well at it. It's, it's, it's amazing that, that, uh, Kevin Smith found essentially found him, I believe.
0: Okay. So, before I mention my MVP, I need to give a shout out to Stanley, uh, yeah. the dearly oh, departed yeah, sure. Stanley. Like this to me, despite all of his cameos in the various MCU films, um, despite all any of his voiceover roles in various properties, e- even in DC properties like Teen Titans Go, um, I have to give it to Shannon Doherty. I think okay. there's something about renee in this that a it's my favorite shannon doherty performance b i i think it really cemented her as not not taking herself too seriously especially when you consider some of the meta humor in this like i love when an actor can laugh at themselves and have fun with it i think renee was a wonderful character again a little bit of 90s philosopher in there when you think about her whole monologue about crying in the bathroom uh but at the same time worked so well with jason lee and as as i mentioned with with jeremy london and um Clare Forlani being perfectly cast as a couple there. I think in this case as well, Jason Lee and Shandarty would cast perfectly against each other. And it works well that there are MVPs. Eric, thank you. Thank you so much for this. Before we go, I want to give you the mic. Again, let our listeners know about your shows and where they can find you out there on the interwebs.
1: Uh, yeah, so uh, Watchmen Minute was the first one uh, that I did, completed. And, and we actually, at the end of uh, doing the director's cut there, 186 minutes, 186-plus 186 episodes, um, because we also then, uh, right when we were finishing it, essentially was when the uh, the Watchmen show came out. So we did episode by episode for that. So if you're interested in in that as well you can uh, just, just check out the last nine or ten episodes of of, of uh the, of, from that feed um uh then almost famous minute uh and and feels like weezer they're both on the uh podcast network I'm on is uh pantheon podcast and it's all about uh, uh, various music shows um mostly music and uh it's actually this, the network you're on now too
0: right I, I was about to say like yeah. there's a couple yeah. shows on there that our the yeah. listeners might be familiar yeah. with this one and there can only be one by the way if you're ever looking at into- Doing a uh, Movies by Minute uh, on the Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, you have my empathies already because that's a long, <laughs> long film. Eric, yeah. thank you so much for this. And you, you have a an empty chair waiting for you whenever you are ready oh, yeah. to come back again. Yes, I do have a few more movies uh, that, I've, that I've realized.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one that, no. that I've lined up.
0: The microphone is always ready for you. So anytime now, dear listeners, you guys know the drill. If there is a movie out there that you think is unfairly maligned or just so bad that there's no way in New Jersey that we can find anything bad to say about it. Hit us up on Twitter at NotThatBadCast or on any other social media at Badcast. Is it still Twitter? We'll call it Twitter. Forget Elon. Or you can go to our website at NotThatBadCast.com. And while you're there, make sure you check out the coming soon page and all of our other shows that are also all available on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Until next time, Eric, thank you so much. Listeners, you guys are awesome. This is It's Not That Bad. Take care.